0: Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. So today we have an awesome guest. Her name is Jamie Greenwald. Uh, You may have heard of her before because I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. But anyways, you should have heard of her or at least her family business. Um, Before we get to that, though, because she's got a great story and I'm excited we are doing a true crime, she slays the day edition. So some of you, a lot of you probably follow me on Instagram and um, because I'm not shy about posting, saw that we recently took our entire team to Cancun. Um, and then like a lot of you are like, oh my God, you're so nice. Like our, our patients are like, oh, can I work here? And I kind of laugh because working for me, like I expect A lot, but then we reward a lot. It's kind of one of those. um, I hate this phrase, but like work hard, play hard type thing. So um, we had told our I'll get to the murder in a minute. Okay, guys, just hold on. So in December of 2020, we told our team, hey, here's the revenue number we want to hit in 2021. If you do it, we'll take you to Mexico. Okay. And I didn't know this at the time because obviously it was not like a dollar more than our best year. It was quite a bit more than our best year, but we had done some calculations. It wasn't like we had pulled it out of nowhere. It was kind of like, okay, if we do this, this and this, this is, this is po- totally possible. Um, and so then we just, we hit it in like November. We knew by like July that we were gonna be going So it was very, very exciting. We took them to Mexico. It was great. Um, Cancun's a little shady, not gonna lie. Sorry if the official tourism board of Cancun is listening to this. I don't mean to offend you. Uh, In fact, we're going, we're taking our girls there in a couple weeks. And we're like, okay, we'll just take direct transportation. Um, But yeah, there's no leaving the resort. And we had kind of known that before going like this is not gonna be like where we go to the coco bongo or senior frogs for dinner like nope we're going straight to the resort staying at the resort and then coming home the fact where we actually made everybody sign waivers which is funny because we like you know it's how this waivers stuff that kirby like had this a jargon and, and the front desk is like willingly signing it and um they're like oh so is this is if we like get hurt or whatever i'm like right or get kidnapped or murdered or anything like that. Yeah. Your husbands can't sue us. (laughs) They're just like laughing. I'm like, huh? No, sign it. Yeah. Make sure you scan it into the file. Okay, great. Um, and based on the trip probably should have thrown some kind of like, you can't sue your boss for, um, like sexual harassment. Cause I'm like, that's going to sound bad. Kirby's going to want to take that out, but we're not. Nobody was actually sexually harassed on the trip I swear but tequila makes people be crazy okay so back to the murder (laughs) so we are at dinner the first night and like two of my staff are like kind of like whispering a little bit and I'm like what what are you whispering about and they're like oh nothing and I'm like you can't be whispering and they're like well we didn't we didn't want to freak everyone out but like a few days ago before we got here Uh, Like one of them had found out that one of the hotel guests eight months prior Had been murdered in the hotel the hotel. We're staying in And I'm like was he American as if I don't know why that matters I think what it was is like how come I didn't hear about this if Americans get murdered places we hear about it, right? And they're like, yeah, it was like a husband and wife from America, and I'm like, oh my god um side note you guys if i ever get murdered in mexico will you please make sure the news reports on it i am too cute and successful to not be reporting on my american death (laughs) what's that called that thing that like americans think they're more important than everyone else ethnocentrism i believe um but no just within your own country if i was french i would want the french to report on my murder in cancun so now here's what i'll say Upon further investigation of the story, uh, we learned that there was kind of some sketchy stuff going on with this couple. Like, so husband and wife, they were drinking at the hotel bar and she went back to her room and he left the resort and then was found, um, Mutilated in the stairwell of the hotel. Um, yeah, I should have done like buh, make sure kids aren't listening type thing, but hopefully, but at this point, I've said murder like four times, so like mm, you've either fast forwarded because you don't want to hear this, or you've like kids, you shouldn't be listening to She Slays anyways. She, you never know what's going to come out of that chick's mouth. Um, so yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, I wasn't comfortable with the fact of the details that he was mutilated in a stairwell, but. I was comforted by the fact that what the heck was going on? Can you imagine a scenario where you and your husband are on vacation together and you're like, well, honey, I'm going to go back up to the room. And he's like, I think I'm going to go to Coco Bongo. I, again, just in case Cancun tourism or Coco Bongo tourism is listening, I have no confirmation that that's where he went. I'm just throwing out random bars. Okay. Don't come at me. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so that, that was, that was interesting. And then, like you know, you definitely see like we were on the beach, and about once or twice a day, you definitely saw federales on their like armored vehicle, or well, it was more like a UTV uh, with their their uh, machine machine guns, rifles, AR, or something, I automatic whatever. I don't know my guns. I'm sorry. Um, you know, cruising down. So you're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, so we went to Mexico, and there was a murder it was earlier. It wasn't like while we were there. So let's get on with the episode. <laughs> so before we do that, I have a listener highlight. Uh, so this is from Lynn, and it's a message on Instagram. And I actually remembered to do something with it, which half the time I feel like when you guys send me nice messages, I'm just like, thank you. And then I forget to make it a listener highlight. Um, so <laughs> the first sentence here, I don't understand. I'm the I am the COA for blah. In Portage now, the name of the chiropractic clinic is Blah Family Chiropractic. I'm pro- I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that wrong. Blau, B-L-A-U. Hopefully, it's something cooler than Blah. I'm really sorry if that's your last name, though. Not just Blah Chiropractic. Even if it is pronounced Blau or some French cool way that I have no idea, I bet a lot of people just assume. It's blah although i don't know where portage is i wonder if this is in canada where canadians just automatically know how to pronounce french stuff um speaking of that did you know that the fancy champagne is not pronounced moe like you would think because it's fancy it's moette like what I wouldn't, yeah, anyways, back to the review. I don't know where Portage is. Um, I also, is a COA, I've seen this now. Is this what we're calling CAs? I'm assuming. Chiropractic office assistant, is that... Was that, um, we're gonna, yeah, cool. Anyways, back to the review. Uh, I attended a webinar of yours this week and was blown away by all the information. The idea that to convert, you have to stay small and consistent has helped me wrap my head around this whole chiropractic social media thing. Just wanted to say thank you and I look forward to gathering more tips from your page and podcast. Um, so she is talking about, I. Um, you guys know that Christy Hudson was a guest on our show, but then she had me on her webinar series for chiropractic or chiro health usa that's like god she's been doing that webinar series for years um i pretty much told her she's the og podcaster but she's fun if you haven't checked out their webinar series they cover a ton of topics and have really cool guests like me um so yeah that's what she's talking about and i talked about social media okay so let's get to it people so Jamie Greenwald is our, our, her host today. No, I'm the host. We did not switch, switch roles. She's my guest. And she is a graduate of the University of South Siwani, where she earned a degree in global studies and environmental science. Um, she's going to talk about like her adventures and what she did with that. Like, we're all going to be jealous. All of us like wanderlust, Millennials are like, I want to see the world. Uh in 2017, Sewanee named Greenwald a distinguished young alumni. Greenwalt received her Master of Business Administration degree from the University of Missouri. And she's worked for U.S.E.D. and the World Bank all over the globe and joined Foot Levelers, her the family business, in 2020, and is currently an executive vice president. Um i really think you're gonna like this one it's it's cool her story's cool and um just listening to her stepping into I had a lot of questions about like stepping into the family business and like that dynamic so hang on but before we do that you know what we're gonna do we're going to pray everyone breathe relax your jaw take a breath check in with your heart how you doing How's 2022 going? Have you connected with yourself? Have you connected to something bigger anytime recently? God, help us stop waiting for the slowdown. I feel like post-holidays, in the new year, there's so much this expectation that life is going to slow down when? Life is going to slow down once. Once we get to here, things are going to slow down. And right now things feel kind of suffocating um if anything things are more chaotic than i felt like they were a month ago and i know i'm not alone in feeling that and talking to patients and friends and other chiropractors help us realize that we have we have the brake pedal within us and that it's not waiting until The energy or flow of the universe applies the brakes, but we can do that on a daily basis, on a moment-to-moment basis, where we just just breathe and say, I have food, I have water, I have a toilet I can poop in and flush it and make it go away. I have this wonderful podcast to listen to inspire me. I have friends, I have loved ones that are healthy and that I am safe. And sometimes we just need to tell ourselves, like, you are safe. You are not in survival mode. You are not in fight or flight. You are safe. So be with us as we just be waiting for us. I know you're always waiting, always there, just wanting to spend time with us. So just keep hanging on, waiting for us to connect with you. In your name, we pray. Amen. Okie dokie, artie jokey. Uh, here is my interview with Jamie Greenwald. So you are taking over. So if you don't know who Jamie Greenewalt is, which I probably already said it in your intro, but like you have more recently taken a very huge career change. Yes, I have. I, well, I, when I, when I, I've
1: always grown up in chiropractic because my family, my grandfather was a chiropractor. My great uncle is a chiropractor. My uncles are chiropractors, um, you know, just by nature of being associated with Foot Lovers, which is my family business. Um, you know, I've I've always gone to a chiropractor. I, you know, I've been in that world my whole life. So um, I myself am not a DC, but I i you know, definitely associate myself with the profession very closely. And it, it yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm a chiro kid. It's a very yeah. well put.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well my, put. um, the woman who like one of my best friends growing up, her mom was a chiropractor and she's the one who like turned me on to chiropractic. And like my friend who's not a chiropractor is probably more drinks from the fire hose of chiropractic than even I do on some time. You know, like you chiro kids, like I just look to my children who are very clear that they have no intention of becoming a chiropractor.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have I have a lot of those friends too. But it's nice. I mean, I, you know, growing up in in the profession and, in, you know, with this family of people who, uh, you know, have these views on, you know, holistic living and knowing, you know, really t- tapping into the fact that the body can heal itself and just being able to give it, you know, that opportunity to do so, I think is really powerful. And I've I've always believed in and loved that about the profession and um, didn't necessarily want to go into that immediately after I graduated from undergrad. Um, and focused a lot on, you know, my international, you know, excitement about all things outside of the U.S. Um, you know, I was a global studies major and then worked in the Middle East a lot, you know, the first couple of four or five years after, um, after undergraduate, before going back to get my MBA. And then after my MBA, I decided, no, I really, it's time for me to go back and, and you know, work, work for the family business. I, f- I really feel strongly about this and, and ended up managing a portion of our international business at the time, which was great. Um, but at one, at a certain point I decided that I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't ready to, to quite settle down and have that be my forever quite yet. And so that's when I decided to move to Southeast Asia. And I ended up working at a a very small Island country called East Timor, um, which used to be a larger part of Indonesia and, um, went there. And when the UN was still posted there it's it's technically a post-conflict country, where they had UN peacekeeping troops and ended up working at the Ministry of Finance being a, an anti-corruption and procurement advisor. Uh, and so that was that was very interesting. And I had uh, I had done a lot of work on governance and financial issues in my other line of work with uh, with international development you know, previously. So this was kind of a continuation on to that and, and also tapped into my, my focus and passion for working with women and smaller marginalized groups, groups, especially not only in developing countries, but women in developing countries are especially marginalized and they have uh, the, the fewest opportunities of them all. And so we worked with them um, on a lot of behavioral change campaigns and really kind of financial empowerment, uh, you know, small, smaller projects, which was really gratifying. And I was there for a year and a half. And um, of course, when I when I was there, I, I will not lie. I did enjoy taking very quick weekend trips to Bali. Uh, it remains one of my most favorite places. You can live there for a month for 80 bucks and have a rent oh. a, a villa with the pool. I know, you know, you're already packing your bags as we speak. Yeah,
0: well, we uh, were in Thailand. My husband and I went to Thailand a few years ago. And so I believe you because you're just like, holy cow, if you can get there, it is... Yeah. It's a paradise.
1: The fresh fruit is unbelievable. People eat locally all the time. It's just that the way of life is, is, is pretty simple, but it's poetic and there's a beach and the weather's lovely and there's malaria, but you know,
0: <laughs> <No>. whatever <laughs> you, you win. Something. Oh, you know, I'm about to like, ask you a personal question. I apologize. Sure. So like, we've, uh, we haven't taken our kids anywhere where like malaria is like a thing. Okay. So like my children, they're seven and nine, they're not vaccinated. I am against, like, I don't know. Like I was thinking about, like, I don't know. My kids are running around my in-laws farm. Maybe I should get her the tetanus vaccine. Like, eh, you know, I'm dragging my, but my husband and I have said that, like, if we go to Africa, we would probably do, do the Africa shots. So like, did you get them? Mal- Cause there's a malaria vaccine, right? There's not
1: no. Oh, you can take some. Well, you can sh- take some oral, oral stuff for it if you want. The chloroquine is something that you can take that I I have taken certain points in time in various parts of you know different places I've visited based on based on like the current status. Not necessarily okay. just every single time because you don't want to be on that stuff for a long time. It's it's like can make you hallucinate. It's it's really. Oh really tough on your body. And I wouldn't, I mean, I personally, I I'm, I don't love it. And I did, I did actually get, um, I didn't get malaria, but when I lived in Timor, I had dengue oh. and I, I actually went blind for almost a full day because my fever was so high and I didn't know if I was going to see again. And I was by myself and it was very scary, oh. but I did come out of it and I didn't I didn't bleed out internally, which is the really bad kind of dengue that you can get. So that was a plus.
0: Oh God. There's no vaccine for that, is there either? No, there's not. No, no, no. Yeah. OK. See, I'm kind of like a less when it comes to like, the, I'm like, yes, I want to go. And I'm like, mm, can I get a shot? I don't want that, though. I don't want that. So, OK. No, no. And I think you,
1: you know, I think it's just, it's just about, you know, protecting yourself as best you can. You know, there are a lot of good essential oils for a lot of that stuff and things that we know we can do proactively that don't, you know, don't involve a lot of chemical, um, interaction with, with your body. So So, I
0: interrupted you. Keep going.
1: (laughs) No, no, that's okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, I left Timor when that contract was done and moved back to DC. I did not have a job. Um, I, I was still single at that point in my life, which of course I was you know, you're always, I feel like struggling going from feeling one thing or another, you know, if you're single, you wish you were in a a relationship. If you're in a relationship, you wish that you could be single so that you had a little bit more flexibility to do and say, and be and, you know, travel to all the places that maybe you wish you could be. So it's always like a grass is greener, but, um, but I was lucky enough that during that time in my life, I did not have a lot of attachment and I really could do whatever, you know, Whatever I wanted and go wherever I wanted, which was such a blessing, and allowed me to have you know an opportunity to grow in so many ways. Um, but when I came back to DC, I ended up uh, consulting for a little bit for the company that I worked for in East Timor to continue some other things as they closed on that project, and then I ended up getting a, a job at the World Bank, um, which is a very large you know organization that lends money to to countries um, in the form of you know loans or grants uh, to you know, assist with infrastructure, governance, health, educational, you know, initiatives to try and, you know, bolster the efforts of those specific countries to to help their people uh, in many different ways. And I was focusing on working in South Asia. And that portfolio consisted of Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, Sri Lanka, Nepal, uh, Maldives and Pakistan. And I traveled to to over half of those countries but worked in all of them uh, in one way or another and and that was also really great because we focused a lot on food and nutrition security which oh, i'm
0: gosh. very
1: passionate about um and basically what that is you know we all talk about what food security is and that basically this is like solving, is, is, solving is, you know rules. are you gonna know where your next meal is, mm-hmm. is coming from um and then does that meal have enough calories to sustain you if you were to divide up your total calorie consumption for the day, you know, or, or, or is your meal adequate enough to provide whatever you you should have, ideally, as a human being for your size and, and weight and all of that. But the interesting thing and the exciting thing about this particular focus is that um, through this, this was through the European Commission and through DIFID, which is the, the UK uh, assistance of uh, form of assistance through the UK government, and they co-funded a you know thirty-five million dollar trust fund to basically initiate grants um, in the South Asia region to focus on food and nutrition security and issues related to um, making sure that people had not only the the, uh, the number of calories that they needed, but the actual good nutrition and micronutrients in those in those calories to make sure that they were were you know, healthy. Um, in that particular part of the world, most people have a very rice heavy, uh, right. diet and white rice is processed, not nutritionally dense. A lot of times in a lot of these places it's grown in, in places where the water table is already contaminated. We are already are probably aware of all the arsenic issues that are come with groundwater contamination and rice anyway. Um, that's very common here in the U S especially in some of the, the, um, the the plantation former plantation areas in the southern part of the United States, which is now all very heavily uh, filled with arsenic. So, these particular areas in the in the South Asia region that I'm talking about are, you know, it was really a, a different concept to ask them to start to grow other things that weren't, you know, considered. Uh, you know, high prized foods, you know, and rice is is what the kings and queens ate and white rice is what the kings and queens ate. So you always try and emulate up the food mm-hmm. chain, so to speak, pun intended, uh, when you're talking about food like this, and in smaller, um, you know, very smaller, smaller communities and, and tribal communities and um, indigenous people. And so trying to really change hundreds of years of thinking about how to prioritize that is a huge challenge. And also, you know, there's a lot of government subsidies, just like there are in the United States that have, you know, major limitations on what, you know, what these people can grow because they want to get the seeds that have been genetically modified so that they can produce high yield wheat when it really, the nutrition's no longer
0: there, you know, it doesn't exist. So like form. when I, I picture, um, you having like this major dilemma where like there's this idealistic of like no GMOs and like super nutritious and things like that. And then kind of being in a more reality, you know, it's kind of like um, the only thing I could compare it to is like when I look at like food stamps where you're Mm -hmm. like, no, we should be giving food stamps for lettuce and apples and things yes, like that. Not, and then it's yes. like mm, we can't really do that because blah 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 blah. Not ramen, but right. but when people live
1: in food deserts, even in the United States, you know, there's that there's an example of something that you know was a, a real case study that I read about one time where you know you have a a, a family with, that has um, you know several children. It could be a single parent household where the one parent works. And, you know, there's a food desert, so they can only use food stamp. They may not have, you know, uh, appropriate transportation to be able to go to a grocery store or it might be dangerous or they might not be able to have child care to actually go out and shop. Um, any and all of those are, are realities. But, you know, if, if she can go to or he can go to a convenience store and use food stamps to buy chips um, and get, you know, 15 bags of chips for the price of one bag of apples, you know, and they have six kids or even two children, how, how do you think they're going to spend their money? It's like, how far can your dollar go? So we're just incentivizing in the wrong ways. Um, how we, that's a whole other conversation. though.
0: Yeah. But like, so as a Cairo kid and, you know, being in this situation, how did you kind of like balance that? I, I don't want to call it idealistic. Cause that seems like a jerky way to call mm-hmm. how Cairo, Think about nutrition, but like you know what I mean, like that, and like the reality situation. And didn't you have like finance background? How are you, how did you get involved in like making a nutritional plan for all of South? Well, I didn't make the plan, okay, right? Um, but Like, you like
1: <laughs> no, you know, no, change yeah, the behavior and stuff. There were, too. yeah, there were, there were, you know, many local stakeholders that we would rely on that already knew. That the focusing on the highly nutritionally dense foods was much better than focusing on these other, you know, lesser nutritious foods. So, and that was one of the ways that we were largely and probably only successful is that we would rely on the local organizations and the local knowledge of how to explain um, and and convince uh, these families to to start planting different types of crops and then showing you know how to cook an orange flesh, sweet potato, and then saying, you know, doesn't this taste good? And if you put this particular spice on it, it's very similar to, you know, X, that, you, that you're that you already used to cooking. And if you use this a couple times a week, you know, your child is not gonna have a vitamin A deficiency, which basically means, you know, blindness. Yep. Um, so so if you want your children to have, you know, your children to have strong eyes, you know, eat these types of foods. Um, and that was just, I've always grown up just, I guess, by association, knowing a lot about food and nutrition, because I, number one, I have a general interest in it, but number two, because of the family life that I live, we always prioritize that. And that's just, I'm lucky. And I know I'm lucky because I've just been exposed to it. And it's just a normal part of my life. So though I've never had formal training on that, I'm, I'm fairly knowledgeable about a lot of that, which, which is why I was able to kind of Walk into that role without any formal training. Yeah. Well, really, um, but I mean, it, it sounds like
0: you sense. were just looking to change behavior, right? Right. Like, I mean, you said you had done that couple years. I'm. I i do not know where we're at in the storyline, but like you had said, you had done some behavioral changes change. of women. Yeah. So kind of similar looking. Sure, like and behavior.
1: it's and it's always no matter what field you're working in, if it's education, health, governance, nutrition. Even, even any nonprofit work you do right here in the United States, if you're working with a local nonprofit, you always, you always really lean into the local knowledge of whatever community that, that organization is serving. And so it's the exact same principle. And you know, working with, you know, with local knowledge and leveraging that allows you to create better programs that are more likely better, that, are, that are going to be successful. Um, So, yeah, I've I've worked on behavioral change uh, when I was in um, in the Middle East. I I was in Baghdad for about seven months um, from 2006 to 2007, uh, working in the green zone during the surge when we have. I don't know if you remember that, but a long time ago during sort of the right before the wind down of. Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, We had this surge where we sent a large number of troops out into the provincial reconstruction teams. There was one in every governorate, and I was working on the project that worked on uh, providing more civilians to help with the democratization, so to speak, of all of those governorates across Iraq as we were trying to support not only the, the U.S. military and peacekeeping, but also trying to help, you know, forge stronger relationships with the governor, with the the governments as they, you know, walked that path to democracy. And of course there's been so many changes and things that have happened that have did not necessarily go the way that we we all anticipated it going. But I, I was at that moment in time at that snapshot, that's what I was doing there. And we, we applied the same principles and working, you know, again, working through local, local, um, you know, uh, Counterparts and and leveraging their knowledge to try and really explain why, you know, doing something a particular way or changing behavior would be better for for them, their families, their communities, their overall well being, etc.
0: Your your like first career life is incredible. Like you just described, what some like <laughs> so how long was this? Like a ten
1: year period. Um, well, I was only in Iraq for seven months, but I, I worked in the Middle East for like the first four, four and a half years after college. Um, and then I went to to business school
0: mm-hmm. and then I
1: worked at foot levelers for three years after that.
0: Well, that and was there, three years where you were running the international. OK, I, I was. Yeah. Yep.
1: And uh, and it was great. I mean, I have to say I I've, I'm I really rely on a lot of the experience that I had that I, that I learned when I, when I first came into the business in 2009, um, the into foot levelers, because I, you know, my, my father Kent, you know, would always tell me it's, it's really important that you focus and really understand all aspects of the business. And so I worked, I, you know, I, I worked every job in, in our manufacturing facility and I worked in all the departments and, and you know, for a certain period of time in shipping and um, in, in various parts of our manufacturing process and with finance and our sales and service team and really got, tried to get a really basic understanding of, of how the business departments work individually and how they work together, which I think is really important to, to have a really good solid understanding of what you're doing because no matter what your contributions to the business you you need to know in what direction you're talking and who who really is involved currently or maybe who should be involved if they're not involved and at the table at that time so yeah. that gave me a great perspective
0: did you so did you always know that you were going to come home to the family business like we always always wanted
1: to, I've always wanted to want to come back. Okay. And, and I, I hope that makes sense, but you know, you, you have these desires of one, you know, you, things sound great in your mind, but sometimes when you live them, not everything adds up perfectly. It can still be great every time I, and especially currently my I'm absolutely in love with my job and it's the best career move I could have ever made. And I'm wake up every day, grateful and thankful for what I'm doing. Yep. Yep. And I feel so lucky. But, um, but even at that time before, when I, when I worked here in 2009, I, you know, I loved my job, but I still felt like I had some other things to do. And so mm-hmm. that's why that's why I ultimately transition out which was one of the hardest things i have ever done in my life to say you know i'm i'm not i need to walk away for the, for the moment um, but it ended up being great How and you know a lot that. of things i learned did your along dad the way. do with that like obviously he still loved oh you. i think it oh. was it was very difficult for for both of us i think we were both just kind of heartbroken mm-hmm. um in that moment which was hard but also you know we've we've always been close and um i think you know, especially working together. I don't, you know, I don't know if you've ever worked with a family member or have that in your life right now, but no, like it, it, has set <laughs> yeah, oh it has its own set, unique sense, uh, <laughs> sets of challenges and, and great, great things that, that go along with it. But it is a, uh, something that you really have to be focused on and and know what you're getting into but in our case we get along great and we we work together very well so that that has been a huge positive and plus for me
0: so how did you then okay where in the country where in the world are we at this point okay your team um, how was then did you kind of go like how did you start to feel the urge to come home like when did you know like i think i'm so ready. When, I, when i was in east timor is it when I you still blind? No, I'm just yeah
1: what yeah. when I had dengue, <laughs> I I had this epiphany. No. <laughs> when I when I was there, I, I always I was trying to get chiropractor, I got I, I ended up linking up with a chiropractor who came to East Timor from Australia because it's very close to Australia. Um And then when I would travel, I would go visit former customers of ours. So when I was in Cambodia or Indonesia or Singapore, I would go visit these doctors that were former foot leveler customers and still talk to them, make sure that they were still working with us. And so I never really stopped, you know, being a part of the business, maybe formally, maybe, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, on the payroll, so to speak. But I I have never really stopped, you know. Ha- maintaining those relationships with those right. people, um, again, because it's just all, always sort of been part of part of my life. But formally, um, after, you know, as I was you know doing my my work at the World Bank when I was living in D.C., I was so. I just kept wanting to know more and more about what we were doing and being more and more interested in, in what foot levelers was doing than what I was really doing on a day-to-day basis with as much as I was passionate and, and, and felt grateful to be working on these, you know, food issues and these nutrition issues that are, are still, you know, I'm still very passionate about. Um, I, I just, I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, the fact that I felt like I really should be in Roanoke and really should be focusing on
0: you know, getting back to really my roots as cheesy as that sounds. Oh, no, I find it really interesting that like, there was this, this pull for you of like, you know, you're basically a part of you, not, you are literally a part of solving world hunger and you are like wondering like, Hey dad, how, what's going on with this business? You know, like that's, that's really cool. Well, thanks. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say solving world hunger.
1: I think that's a. I'm overly I am, generous. I am. Um, I, it's
0: official. You did
1: it. There. Good job. There's a. We're our, our You know there there are many larger efforts that are focusing on that certainly, and this that was a small, very small project. But, um, you know the the good thing is is that people are. And, and I will say the thing I, that I'm most important about I know that we're vacillating back and forth between that particular experience and foot level on, on, on the nutrition side of things the thing that I think is is the coolest about what we did is we really impacted the way that governments at the federal what what would be equivalent to the federal government level budgeted for nutrition in their actual annual budget so we they, it became a line item so to speak for the food and agricultural departments in that, in that those respective countries to actually say, okay, well now how do we take into consideration how we, how we apply access to nutrition to our general population? And that was huge. I mean, Afghanistan was one of the first countries that did that. They, they, they were so on board with, with that and, you know, worked at a really high level with the you know, the, the CEO of the council of ministers there who, you know, based on what's happened in Afghanistan the last year has been tragic. Um, but you know, the, the mayor of Kabul and, you know, all of these people who are so, so very involved in, um, in, in making these changes and you're, you're, you know, a part of, a part of helping support that. So that, that was really cool,
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: to, to see that happen. But, um, you know, on the foot level side, you know, yeah, that, so
0: how kind of coming so from? So to you end and said, like, sorry, dad, I am actually gonna leave. Like, how'd that like phone call go of like, all right, this time I'm sticking?
1: Yeah, I I I wrote him a letter and I I I called him uh, on the phone. I remember exactly where I was where I called him and I was in my daughter's room in our apartment. And I just said, you know, I I wanna come back. And I, I had been thinking about it for a long time. And and at this point I was married and we had had our, our, you know, our daughter. And I just said, I, I feel like I, this is, this is not the place where I, I want to raise our daughter and I, I want to offer her more opportunity and I want to be closer to the business because this is who I am. And I believe so much in what we do and the products that we make, we help people all the time every day we help improve quality of life at the most basic level. You know, we're a class A medical device, which is the same as a toothbrush. And, you know, you don't need a prescription, you know, we are a prescription product, but it's not like, you know, we're, we're not a drug. We're not a drug solution. We're not, um, you know, there's nothing that's risky about using, you know, our products in any way. Um, you know, they fit in your shoes and, People generally feel better right away. Um, Mm -hmm. so it is immediate and instant. And and, you know, biomechanically to be able to support your body from the ground up just makes sense. Was your dad immediate and instantly like he I think he was really cautiously optimistic. You know, I can imagine a
0: parent like, of course.
1: Yeah. And there was a lot of conversation about around that, you know, as we moved towards basically up uprooting our life and making this big change. Cause of course it's not just me anymore. It's, I have, you know, a, a husband and then a child to, to think about as well. So it's, you know, how serious are you and let's move, move forward to make this happen. But what can we do to make sure everybody's probably more cautious than, than they would have been in other cases, just cause I had been down this path before. Right.
0: Right. Um, so you had mentioned that, like you had worked in every part of the company at some point, was that previously, or was that like this stage now where it's like, all right, that was previously, um,
1: previously, but I, and I, you know, I have, I certainly am around the the building often and Mm -hmm. know, uh, most, if not everybody in the building, um, pretty well
0: which so is they kind which of is, make a position for you or like, was it like, you know, like, cause okay, well, I, was, so I initially joined, are you no, the no, CEO no. or is no, 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 definitely CEO? not. No,
1: Ken, Kent is the chairman and CEO okay. currently. And then um, I'm a senior vice president. And we also have another, my colleague, Steve is, is our other senior vice president. Um, and so we are, we, uh, and then there are other several uh, members of our executive team. Um, who, you know, manage the day-to-day.
0: Okay, and did you get to step in at the senior
1: vice president position? I did, I did. I joined as a senior VP, um, initially as a senior VP of strategy. And then later uh, that that was changed to business development, which was really more of a, probably more realistic title based on the scope of work that I was asked to, you know, to oversee. And, you know, that includes everything from, Sales and service and sale, you know, our customer service team, sales, marketing, um, HR, our seminars and education department, we do almost, you know, between 250 and 300 events Uh every year, we're doing tons of board certification, Um, we offer a lot of continuing education
0: opportunities so I don't know why I'm They're such a full-time idiot. team that does like, that yeah, too. Right. You guys are like, I was just like just thinking about this like tiny portion of foot levelers. And then it's like, oh yeah. And then you guys are hugely supportive of all this stuff within chiropractic. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so- the, the last thing that I
1: didn't mention, but want to give credit to, you know, we've got partnerships with almost all of the, the chiropractic colleges in the U S and many uh, out abroad and we work a lot with, we've got wonderful liaisons who we work with and clinicians, clinic directors, academics. Um, we do a lot with research. So, you know, in terms of us being a part of the profession, we're very much present, which yeah. I'm proud of. I'm proud of. And yeah. that's, been, that's been so important when my grandfather founded the company um, in 1952. So we're actually, January of 2022, we're kicking off our 70th year, which is amazing. And, you know, from the time that we were, you know, we were formed by my grandfather who started, it's such an American dream story. He started this out of his garage. Of course. Yeah. 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 And knowing, knowing that, you know, he, his patients weren't necessarily feeling better. They felt great after they got adjusted on the table, but then then they'd leave and then he was a chiropractor Yep. and they would leave and, and need to come back almost, you know, immediately because they didn't feel feel great they and and he kept saying well let's I wonder why this isn't working for longer why aren't they not feeling the, the great effects of these this adjustment for longer and then he realized that it all started with the feet because the minute they stepped off the adjustment table the adjustment you know went mm-hmm. away so to speak so that's when he said okay let's let's support all three arches and make sure that we you know give people the the chance to remain uh you know Adjusted for a longer period of time, so that was that was the the
0: aha moment. So stepping into the family business, did your dad have some advice since he had done the Like, is your dad the one about levelers big, or had your grandpa made this massive? I mean, I think
1: they both were 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 instrumental in their own ways. You know, my grandfather as a chiropractor obviously had you know a lot of the academic and scientific. respect for for really truly saying, okay, biomechanically, I'm qualified to talk about this. And I understand how this is all related. And this is why this validates what we're doing, um, you know, from a product perspective. But I think, you know, Kent really has been instrumental in making sure that, um, you know, our business supports the profession in many ways, that we're connected with all of the other, you know, in, in any way that we possibly can supporting other, uh, people in the profession, other organizations, um, and just really doing what we can to to help the profession grow and become, you know, an option for people that is not, you know, secondary or tertiary to just, you know, mainstream, the, the mainstream medical model. Um, because more and more people are, are being educated about and, and I think have a better understanding now in 2021, at least, even tw- in the last 20 years, I think that's improved greatly, um, where people have a better understanding and, and they want more options to be able to take care of themselves in ways that don't involve a, pre- a prescription pad um, or just an explanation yep. that no, this is just the way you are. You're going oh, to live. It. Yeah, it's not. It's not. A, it's not an option anymore. People are yep. not accepting that, and thank goodness they're not because there right. are so many better options, and they're simple. And you know, again, we go back to the you know that the notion and the the knowing that the body can heal itself and just let's just help it do that let's help it get to that point where you we can be self-healing as much as we can be obviously there's a time and a place for for other types of interventions but
0: absolutely so was it all just easy stepping back in were there hurdles like cuz i'm just picturing Gosh. i Just what I'm picturing is a, you know, a chiropractic graduate going, associating, going somewhere, sowing their oats, exciting, sowing their oats. That's not a sexual phrase, right? That means like, (laughs) anyways, going and working somewhere, (laughs) exciting, whatever, and then being like, all right, dad, I'm back in town and you're planning on retiring soon in the next 10 whatever years. So this is going to be great. But I picture just like they're there being natural, natural hurdles in communication and communication.
1: Absolutely. I think there's, hur- there's hurdles on a number of different levels. Number one, you know, there's always that personal, am I good enough mm. to really be here question mm-hmm. that goes, that's, you know, you wake up maybe thinking that, maybe not as much anymore, but certainly at the beginning of any transition, I think you're always anxious and excited to prove
0: that you belong um, no matter what you're doing. Well, and one of the main causes of imposter. Yeah. And one of the main causes of imposter syndrome is that you've gotten here by luck, not by skill. And so I would imagine as the child, you're kind of yeah. like, I know I'm good, but you you would have hired me even if I wasn't your daughter, right? Like, type of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
1: And I mean, if people, if people would would assume that that hasn't gone through my mind, I, I can't imagine. I mean, that's telling them that they're crazy. Um, but you know, you, I mean, I think in just having high standards and um, you know, ask you know, high aspirations for for doing for continuing to do the good things that we've already done as a business without me, you know. Um, and, and certainly we, we have been so lucky. I mean, I think I tell, we, we talk about this internally all the time. I think we have the best team, uh, we have ever had. I think we have people who are, are passionate and excited about what we're doing. We have a lot of really exciting things that we're going to be doing, you know, and launching this, this upcoming year, uh, that we've worked really hard on that I think are going to be disruptive in a great way, uh, to, to how people, you know, think about, about our brand, as it, as it has been up until this point. Um, and so I'm excited about that, but I think, you know, having, having the team that we have now has, has put us in a position to, to do more and be more than we ever have before. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, um, yeah, sorry for the tangent. I just, no, I just feel okay. so strongly. I'm just, I, yeah. I love my job so much and, you know, it's taken a lot of hard work to get to this point, but, but all have been very gratifying and worth it because if you really believe in something and you really feel strongly about it, that's in your, if it's in your heart and in your gut, I think you're directionally correct. You just have to keep, keep trying to make it work. Right. Um, and, and it, it, I've never, I've never had a job or a transition and I've had a lot of different, professional transitions based on just, just from a project standpoint, you know, of all the countries and smaller projects I've worked on. There's never been a day where you start something new and don't say, well, geez, what am I doing? And did I make a mistake or, you know, but you've just got to, you know, put your eye on the prize and not, you know, don't look back. Yep. You can't look back because you, you know, you shouldn't doubt yourself. You've, you made the decision for a reason. Right. You know, right. you, you, you really did, did all the hard part. It's, yeah. it's moving beyond that to, to move into your gifts and, and to validate what you, what you already really know on some level.
0: Absolutely. Um, who was the biggest learning curve learning to communicate with your boss, dad, or, cause how many staff were you like, Working with above, under, like regularly, like.
1: I mean, I, I I would say I you know on some level I work with with everybody in the company, right? And how um, many? But I'd say that. Um, we we are we are small small to medium, okay, um, size business. Um, but uh, you know, I I'd say for our teams, um, you know, we're we all we're such a small company in many ways Which that can are, make it collaborate a lot yeah. with a lot of different departments.
0: Yeah. So I picture that actually being then harder where it's like, these people are, they've worked together. Connected. So, okay. So how, who yeah. was harder the, like the team or dad? Like, cause I'm assuming you had to figure out some communication, like their stuff with both. Sure. I mean, I think, I think if I could say this,
1: I'll, I'll put it this way, I think working, trying to find my own groove and figure out how I can add value without disrupting what's already been established yeah. way way before me that's already working really well. You know, you don't want to come into something and say, as someone new, let's, let's divert or let's change what we're doing because there's no reason to do that. Even though there's, there's a tendency to, to feel like you're obligated to do that because you want to, you want to feel heard or feel like you're contributing in some way. But I think ha- having the wisdom to step back and say, okay, this is, this is working beautifully. This is something that we do really well. There's nothing that we, you know, there's always, no matter what the process is or I mean, what line of, line of work you're in, you can always be better and, and, right. and fine tune. Yeah. Well, um, but I say to answer that. your, yeah. And I think to answer your question originally, I, I don't know if it's a, one was harder than another, that they were really hard. I think it's just finding the groove Mm -hmm. between, you know, and and really getting to know people, getting to know people is I think the secret to any success. If you understand how someone thinks and feels and what their love language is and how they communicate, you're going to be able to be successful most of the time, you know, when, when you collaborate together.
0: But it just takes time to to learn that. About you. You didn't make it about you. You took the time in the, and I'm sure you still, but like really when you started was like just listening and learning and like not making it about like, I'm going to get this attention for being the new kid on the block and like fixing this, all these problems and just being like, okay, this is working well. How do I plug in and add value without while being a part of the team without disrupting? The
1: Gosh, team. that That's was my intention. But I I, I laugh thinking about if, if anyone... <laughs> Any of my colleagues listen to this and then like what they would say, but that's certainly been my intention.
0: Like, that's the advice I would give someone. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh gosh. Okay. So you actually described your newest product though, as a disruption to yes. the way that like people would think. So before we tell people what it is. Yes. Um, Because I want you to. I love the lead up. You're doing great. (laughs) I definitely want you to go on a tangent and tell how awesome it is. But how did the proposal of this idea go? Was it like, was it well received within the company or like, was it kind of like, oh, that's going to be difficult? Like, well, I, I think that, I think that
1: on the whole, everyone was pretty receptive. It was kind of more not is that a good idea or not? But it's, it, we went right into the, how, how do we, how do we make, how do we make it work? You know? Um, and that's where I think the the genius of our team members really shines because we were able to, to come up with this plan. So without further ado, yeah, yeah, I'll just say, you know, the, in the last year on, on November 1st, so just, you know, six weeks ago we launched, um, what we our newest product called Mother Nurture. And Mother Nurture is uh, the world's first and only custom orthotic system for pregnant women. And uh, I, I've been excited about this, because I, I have wanted to, even since I was pregnant with my first daughter, I was I was thrilled to and have access to foot levelers because, you know, you know how you feel when you're pregnant, your back hurts, everything, you feel like a Gumby a little bit. And, you know, you're walking, your, your hips move, you know, you're, you really inhabit swell. multiple bodies, you're swollen. It's just, it's amazing that we, our population continues to exist sometimes when I think about it, you know, all that, that we, we continue
0: to, to agree to sign up to do this over. And yeah.
1: Over again. Yeah. But, um, you know, I realized that, you know, how much stronger my foundation was than others um, when I was was wearing foot levelers. And I thought, well, gosh, this is we need to do something and offer this for for more women, Um, but really highlight the fact that their bodies are going to change and they might need to might, might not might need, but that they will need different levels of support throughout that process. And so that's when our team got together and said, okay, we we need to we need to walk this path. So so at the end of the day, we, we have launched this product and I'm really proud of it. And I'm so proud of, of everybody that's worked on this because it really has been such a great collaboration and an, an exciting, fun thing for us to do because our packaging is very new and fresh. It's different no. than a lot of the, the more traditional, um, you know, is that because like you're listening to these products? podcasts that you were like, can we make this box prettier? Well, I mean, I think aesthetics is very important and, you know, the package and presentation, if someone's investing into something that, you know, there are all of our products are extremely high quality um, and they're made here on site at our, our facility, Um, you know, everyone is, is handmade. And so, you know, based on, on the, the person's foot, you know, we're like fingerprints. We all have different, they're, they're all, you know, we all have hands, but our fingerprints are very different. And so our prescriptions reflect that, and uh, I we just wanted to go for a more organic feel and more personalized, and and convey what we know about the body to be true. I mean, we've got thirty seven, you know, research studies. We've got um, we've got a lot of of evidence that you know illustrates how effective our products are, and so being able to provide that in a in a new and fresh way using. Beautiful collateral and QR codes, and you know things that are more appropriate to 2021 than probably some of the other ways we've communicated previously was really fun. Yeah, uh, to, to leverage and take advantage of that.
0: Tell me about because there's like three different inserts. From That's Mother correct. So at the beginning, about,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, thanks. At the beginning of the of a woman's pregnancy, she she might find out that she's pregnant towards the end of her. First trimester, and generally, you know, you you make sure everything is going well, and and then come trimester two is when the changes really start to happen. So, we made the first orthotic available for the second trimester, okay. and um, and in the process, so the the woman would get scanned towards the beginning of her pregnancy get a pair of orthotics for the trimester two and then also trimester three and then the postpartum pair, which is for the first year after the baby's born. Um, and so the idea there was that, you know, you'd be wearing the first two orthotics for, you know, 90 days at a time for, you know, the three month trimesters that you're, you're living through. And then, you know, having the postpartum that first thousand days, um, and, and then the the first year after pregnancy, we wanted the woman to have a specific, you know, support as well. So we had done a lot of testing. We had a, a pretty big test group of, of pregnant women at various stages when we were developing the product. So this has been over two years um, that it has been coming together with with the the prescription and based on all of the scientific algorithms that we have developed in our experience over 70 years, we, we have come up with this and the feedback that we've gotten so far, we, you know, I look at it every day and, you know, we're talking to the doctors who've either prescribed this for themselves and are very happy or are prescribing for their patients because they see a lot of pregnant women. The feedback that we're getting is, oh my gosh, um, you know, I've worn foot levelers, for example, I've worn foot levelers, you know, for, for 10 or 15 years myself and this is this is far better than what i my current prescription because my feet have already changed so much and i feel so much better and as they have moved into you know their second pair for trimester three same thing oh my gosh this is even better so it's so nice and validating scan right like a new from scan. one scan it's from okay one
0: scan. yep okay so what is different um with the foot or in the i should say with the insert from that first to the second one so well, there's there's going to be
1: more, more support um, for trimester three. Obviously, there's the center of gravity has shifted. There's more weight gain. There's that pull on the lower, you know, the lower back based on the center of gravity and how that shifts with the where the baby is. So we've taken all that into consideration, um, as well as some of our own uh, internal processes to make to make that prescription. And it's been, that's been the one that has been the most exciting for me because
0: that's really when the woman feels most uncomfortable, most miserable. And then what, how does the postpartum one, um, how does that one like compare? Is that, you said a thousand days, is that you're saying like the postpartum period that they would wear this insert would be. Yeah. The
1: postpartum period is really just for, for the first year and up until the baby's first birthday.
0: And how what is that doing differently in that postpartum compared to like when they would return to their normal pair? Well, there's still a certain
1: amount of relaxing in the body.
0: Even, even if a
1: woman decides to not breastfeed, relaxing, they say, and this is, very approximate averages. Cause there's, we've, we've done quite a bit of research on this, but between six and 12 months is kind of when that leaves the body. If a woman's breastfeeding, the relaxing can stay in her body up to 12 months. And then depending on when she weans, it's, it will, you know, and of course, everybody's different. Every woman's different. So there's not a hard and right. fast rule about that, but from what we, we understand, you know, that's the postpartum Uh, prescription that we have takes into account, there's still going to be a lot of laxity um, and the type of support that we've provided is a a little bit different than what we would use in just a regular orthotic.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, if people want more information, where do they go? Like, and give, I guess, give this to someone who maybe doesn't have any, isn't doing any foot levelers in their clinic. Like how would they get
1: started and like, yeah. Absolutely. So um, they can go to our website www.footlevelers.com uh, forward slash nurture, and there will be a whole host of information uh, about the product. It will show you um, all of the, the things that that are included in the system. Um, it will give you some statistics and research, and then talk a little bit about. Um, you know, about how to, how to use that and get started with us, you know, that we, we work with all sorts of, of doctors, obviously, if, if, you know, people who use us have our technology, we have a a kiosk, which, you know, a patient will generally stand on and then get a a foot scan and the foot will indicate that the level of pronation, um, that he or she may have. And of course, in this situation, the, the, the pregnant mom would, would, um, would would indicate a certain level of pronation because of that weight shift. There's a, there's almost no examples of pregnant women that don't pronate. Okay. So we we want to make sure that we support that. And so, you know, doctors who have this, the kiosk would just be able to send the order directly, you know, to us from there. But if they're they're not current customers, um, we have casting kits we could send uh, for for you uh, to try as a starter starter pack.
0: Very cool. Um, well, I will make sure that that link is down in our show notes. Yeah, thank you, um, Jamie. Thank you so much for sharing your,
1: your life with us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I, I hope, I feel like it was a little hard to follow in some, ah, there's example, so but, much no, <laughs> but you know what, be. isn't that how our lives are right there? Nothing is ever a straight path. And I love, no. I love the crooked road. It's so much oh. more interesting.
0: I, I try well the thing is is the reason they're used to it is like I frequently try and kick people off their talking points anyways where it's like okay <laughs> hey, tell good. me about the dirty stuff like what what really happens so, yeah. no. so thanks for being a good guest willing to play along oh so. my gosh
1: it's been a pleasure I'm and it's and so nice to connect after you've the done w- a podcast P. yeah I know now I you're feel the- I feel so accomplished
0: what a way to end the week Put it on the resume. So. I will. All right, she slayers. Absolutely, check out foot levelers. If you have not um, used them before, you have. They have impacted your world, like absolutely. They have probably contributed to the reason that you have a library in your chiropractic college. They have probably contributed to continuing ed that you have gotten. So, like at least look into them and see how you could incorporate them into your practice, especially uh, so much of our audience is peds and prenatal. So I'm just obsessed with it. So, so thank you again for being on. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. she Slayers until next week. Bye. (music) Hey, she Slayers. Are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients, plus they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast, and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.